0: Happy Easter. It's great to see you today. One of my earliest memories of coming to Colorado long before I moved here was whitewater rafting down the Royal Gorge. Do we have any whitewater rafting fans? Anybody like to whitewater raft? Okay, a few people. Whitewater rafting is pretty awesome. Um, had a great time. I actually got thrown out of the boat. Never forget that. It's really exciting. But there's a huge bridge that goes across the Royal Gorge. Some of you have walked across it. Some of you have seen pictures of it. Some of you know about it. For many years, the bridge over the Royal Gorge was the highest bridge in the world. It still actually is the highest bridge in our country. And it stands about 1,000 feet. If you can just imagine that. They used to have bungee jumping off into the Royal Gorge. How would you like to try that out? Wow, that sounds like a thriller, doesn't it? Today, though, you can zip line across. You can ride the gondola. Uh, you can r- ride the sky coaster that swings out over the gorge and then back. It's really an exciting, exhilarating place. But back to that great bridge, a thousand feet high. The purpose of a bridge is to unite or to allow people to move from one side to the other. If you look back through the pages of Scripture, the Bible is a book of bridges. Back in the very beginning of time, I'm talking like the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were there, and the Bible says they were just naked, and they were just enjoying the garden. Is there anything more wonderful than that? But unfortunately, the tempter came one day and led them astray. They ate of that forbidden fruit. And from that moment on, there was a royal gorge that was driven between the relationship between God and humanity. Many years later, God sent a redeemer. He sent his own son to be born into the world, to live a sinless life, and then later to die on the cross to rise from the grave in order to connect humanity with Him. And really, as we look through the pages of Scripture, we see that the Bible is a book of bridges. Easter is the story of a bridge. We have a bridge. God is on one side who is perfect and holy. Humanity is on the other side that is sinful and struggling. And we need a Redeemer to connect the two. And so the story of Easter really is the story of a great bridge. But there really is a lot of discussion about this topic. A lot of people believe that they're going to go to heaven, that they're going to have a relationship with God by building their own bridge. And people have been trying to build their bridge, their own bridge, really from the very beginning. A lot of people think that we build a bridge by doing good deeds, You know, pop culture tells us just be sincere. It doesn't matter what you believe, but just be sincere. Sometimes our own conscience tells us, well, I got this cover, man, because I'm not as bad as my neighbor next door. Sometimes religion tells us just try harder and do better and put a little more elbow grease into it and you'll build that bridge with God. But God's story of redemption is something that is so much different. And I want us to look at how we can cross this great bridge? How can we cross this bridge that has been put before us? How can we connect with God? Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, how can a sinful person connect with a holy God? It's a great question, isn't it? It really is the story of Easter. It really is. Well, this question causes us to take a long, hard look at how a person can go to heaven and have eternal life. Um, many people think that you go to heaven by being a good person. At the end of time, God takes all of your good deeds and he puts them on one side of the scale and all your bad deeds and whichever one kind of weighs out the most determines your eternal destiny. But how good do you really have to be if you're going to go to heaven? I mean, that's the question that nobody really knows. I looked it up on the internet last night. The top NBA three-point shooter shoots 47% from the field. To go to heaven, do you have to shoot 50%? A great baseball hitter has, to, you know, can hit, bat about 300. If you bat 300, you're a really good hitter. How good do you have to hit to go to heaven? Where's the marker? I'll tell you what would suck on the day of judgment is if God said, you're one sin short. You have one too many sins To get into my kingdom. Sorry, buddy. You're like, darn, I knew I shouldn't have said that. I knew I shouldn't have thought that. One sin. Wow. And if you've done some really bad things, you may feel like, well, what does it even matter? I'm toast anyway, right? (laughs) I can't level this thing out. God has some great news, though, for us. God has a great news about this great bridge. The story of Easter is the story of the bridge. Uh, When I was in high school, I ran on the cross-country team. One of the first cross-country races that I ran on, I took the wrong path. That really stinks if you're a runner. I was first among the five people that followed me. Yeah, I like to tell people that. It was really good. The path wasn't clearly marked. It was kind of vague, if you will. Now, I wasn't the most seasoned runner, so maybe it was me, but it was kind of ambiguous. Uh, (laughs) It really seemed unfair to me that the the course had not been clearly marked. And I wonder how many people today are running a race, but they don't know how far the race is, and they don't know where the road markers are, and they don't know where they're going, and yet they're wondering, (laughs) how is this race gonna shape out? What if you went to uh, the university class and the professor said, hey, I don't have a syllabus, we have no plan for grades, but what we're gonna do is at the end of the semester, we're just all gonna get together and check our hearts, and I'm gonna give out A, Bs, Cs, and Ds. How would that be? You'd be like, well, what's the criteria? Like, what do I have to do to get an A in the class, right? What if you started a job and your boss said, hey, um, listen, we're gonna do an evaluation in six weeks on your performance, but you have no job description, you have no responsibilities, and we're really not sure what you're supposed to do, but we're gonna evaluate that in just a little bit, okay? You'd be confused, wouldn't you? And so there's a lot of ambiguity about how good does a person really have to be there's a lot of holes in that argument when you really begin to think about it like what is the standard what is the course what are the requirements what does the syllabus say you see we think many times that it's about us building a bridge to God but the gospel story is that God built a bridge to us and the bridge that God built to us was through his son Jesus Christ it was through him now, Jesus was a revolutionary teacher and thinker. And actually, this idea that good people go to heaven actually contradicts everything that Jesus taught. Did you know that? It really does. In fact, if you look in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, here's what Jesus said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, do you guys know who the Pharisees were? The Pharisees were like the creme de la creme of morality. They followed 613 laws. Most of us don't even know the Ten Commandments. They had 613 commandments. They had instituted all of these laws, not from God, but They were of human origin. The the Pharisees got together and thought these things up. And they took the Ten Commandments and they said, We want to make sure that we don't break the Ten Commandments. So we want to put rules upon rules upon rules to make sure that we never break the Ten Commandments. For example, one of the Ten Commandments is to keep the Sabbath day holy. And they said, "We uh, We don't want to desecrate the Sabbath. So they came up with 39 different rules just to keep the Sabbath day holy. They had to burn incense in the temple twice a day. They were constantly fasting. I mean, these guys were, they were religious robots, if you will. They were people of incredible ethic and virtue. And yet when Jesus commented on the Pharisees, he said, listen, if your righteousness does not exceed that of the Pharisees, you can't go to heaven. The hearers of Jesus obviously were confused by that. Wait a second. Those are the best of the best. Those are the most religious of all people. So what Jesus was teaching is that there's going to be good people that don't spend eternity with God. But to make matters even more complicated, if you look at Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is on the cross and in verse 41 and 42, He's having a conversation with the two thieves That are there beside him, one on each side. And here's what one of them said. We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, obviously, this thief was bad enough to get crucified, right? That's a bad dude, real bad dude. This was not a petty thief. He was the worst of the worst. And yet Jesus says to him, you're going to spend eternity with with me in heaven. So Jesus is telling the thief, you're going to spend eternity in heaven with me. And he's saying that the Pharisees don't have enough righteousness. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Bad people can go to heaven and sometimes good people don't go to heaven is the message of Jesus. So what did Jesus mean? Jesus meant that there was a bridge that we all had to cross. And we crossed that bridge by faith. I want to share with you four steps today that lead us to cross the bridge of faith. And the first is simply this acknowledging our sin. We're looking at the word step, because to get across a bridge, you have to step across the bridge. And the letter S stands for sin. We have to acknowledge our own sin. And sin is anything that displeases God. Uh, all sin starts with the middle letter, and that is the word I. Yeah, it starts with me. And sin can be anything. I mean, sometimes we think of sin as just like murder or stealing or whatever, but lying can be a sin, uh, coveting something that somebody else has. That can be a sin. Being angry, being prideful, being arrogant, being self-righteous, that can be a sin. There's a lot of different sins. And if you think today, oh, I'm not a sinner, then just ask your spouse when you get home because they will help you. If you're single today, call your mom or dad when you get home. Mom, am I a sinner? Just check it out. If you're honest with yourself, you have to look and go, yeah, man, I got some things I could work on. I hadn't got it all figured out. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, meaning that every single one of us is guilty of sin. And the sin has separated us from God because God is perfect and holy and humanity is sinful. And that was the problem and the the reason why we needed a bridge in the first place. We got to acknowledge that's sin. But the Pharisees and the thief on the cross had one thing in common. They both had messed up. And they both needed redemption. Good people don't go to heaven. The message of Jesus is that forgiven people go to heaven. Forgiven people. And you know what? That gives everybody in this room hope. Do you know that? God can forgive you. Even if you've done the worst of the worst. Or maybe if you think you're really not that bad. God can forgive you. God can forgive all of us. That's the story of Easter. I had a chance to talk with an eight-year-old boy named Christian. This last week, Christian came to the office to talk about his faith. And we sat down in the office, and I said, Christian, what's going on? And he looked at me, and he said, Pastor, do you believe in time travel? Now I got to tell you as a pastor I get asked some interesting questions. I really do. I get asked about aliens and UFOs and people ask me all kinds of questions. Okay. Do you believe in time? I've never been asked, do you believe in time travel? And I thought, you know what? I need to spend more time with kids cuz adults are so boring. <laughs> what a great question, do you believe in time travel? And I said, "Well, why do you ask?" And he said, "Well, I asked Because I have some things that I've done in my past, eight-year-old boy, that I wish I could go back and redo. I have some sins I wish that I could go back and erase. And if I could just travel back in time, I could go back and I could do it over again. And I was like, you know what, that's a pretty smart idea. But I said, let me just set your mind at ease. Jesus has it covered. In fact, Jesus can take care of all the sins in the past, all the sins in the present, and all the sins in the future. You don't even have to worry about time travel. That's the message of Easter, man. God forgives sins. God forgives big sins and little sins and, and obvious sins and sometimes you know, sins that we don't even think about anymore. God forgives all those things. But if we don't realize that we are sinners in need of redemption, we will never see the need to walk across the bridge. And we will certainly never see our need for a Savior. Which leads us to that second word, that second term, T, which stands for truth. Sin and truth. And the truth is that I need Christ I need Jesus in my life. If I don't see that I have sin, I don't understand that I need a Savior. But when I see that I need redemption, I know that I need some help. By the way, that's why God sent His only Son into the world in the first place, is to redeem humanity. It's beautiful, isn't it? Look at this scripture, John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the way The truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. I I took out the word the way and I put in my own word I am the bridge, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said the way to eternal life, the way to connecting with God is not by merits, it's not by achievement, it's not by intelligence, it's not by heritage. It is simply by the way of Christ. Jesus is the way, not a way, but the way, the only way. How could Jesus make such a bold claim? Well, because no one has done what Christ has done. He's unequaled in history. Not only did He rise from the grave on the third day, He was seen by over 500 witnesses at one time. He fulfilled more than 300 prophecies. There is no one like Christ. You can go and visit the tombs of the great religious leaders in the history of the world. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus, you will see the stone has been rolled away and He is no longer there. Nobody overcame sin and death. That's why Jesus could back up this bold claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is not one of many. He is the only one. He is the only way and the only truth. And to put him in any other category is a misunderstanding. His ministry and his calling. 1 Timothy 2 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. There's one bridge, there's one person that could bring God and people together, and his name is Jesus. Jesus could do so because he was fully God and he was fully man. He was both, he was divine and he was human. And God used his uniqueness to bridge the gap between us and him. This last year, we were taking our kids to summer camp. And we were going to a campground that I've been to several times before. I knew where it was. We hopped on the interstate. Gina's like, I want to put it in Google. And I'm like, baby, why do you want to put it in Google? Because we know where we're going. She's like, I just like it to be in Google because I just like to see how many minutes we are away. And I was like, all right, you can put it in Google. So she typed it in Google, we're going down the interstate and all of a sudden Google comes on and says, you need to exit here and turn left. We're in the middle of nowhere, like no civilization. I'm like, I am not exiting. I know where I'm going. Gina's like, no, no, no. Google said you have to get off right here. We have to do what it's almost like Google is the gospel, right? We have to do it, Ryan. Ryan. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I refuse to let robots tell me where to go. <laughs> I will drive on medians. I will drive across the grass. But I will not be told where to go by Google. Okay. So we drive up a little further. The whole interstate is just completely shut down. <laughs> Wasted an hour of my time. Is there anything more painful than just sitting and doing nothing in traffic? Awful. I learned two lessons that day. Number one, follow what Google says. But I also learned, do what your wife says. (laughs) Right? You got to take directions. I missed the way because I wasn't listening to the directions. God has a way. Are we listening to the directions of Jesus? Are we listening to to the teachings of Jesus? Are we letting God direct our way? The proverb says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a path that looks good to us, but in the end, that isn't the path at all. Somewhere in the universe, there was a satellite that was looking down on the interstate that recognized that traffic had come to a standstill. That satellite saw something that I didn't see. And Google began to try to redirect me, but I didn't listen. Today, are we listening to the voice of God? Are we listening to His direction? Are we listening to the the words of Jesus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one, uh, for there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus, the Lord. He's the truth. And if Jesus is the truth, that I can trust my future and my life to him. Which leads us to the third thing. I have to entrust my life to Jesus. See, there's a lot of people that are admirers of Jesus. Jesus t-shirts, Jesus trinkets, crosses. A lot of people respect Jesus. But you can respect Jesus and not be a follower of Jesus. What's the difference? It's the word commitment. See, a lot of folks want to have the results of commitment, but they don't want to do the work of commitment. We saw this recently in the the, uh, cheating scandal with the, the families that were paying bribes to get their kids into elite colleges. We want to have these prestigious degrees, but we don't want to do the work to get admitted into the university. We want the results of commitment without putting in the work of commitment. Well, for a follower of Jesus, is not what we do, but it is simply following in the ways of Christ, and that begins by asking Him to come into our lives. Christ has asked us for a commitment. On the day of judgment, Jesus is not looking for people who just... Thought Jesus was a great guy, that he had a great personality, you know, that he had a lot of charm, that he fed people, that he had interesting sermons. That's not the deal. We got to entrust our life and our heart to him. We cannot cross the bridge if we don't commit our lives to him. We don't do it. We have to move, it has to move from our head to our heart. You know, you can say, Man, I believe in Christ. I I I think Jesus was awesome. I admire Jesus. I watch religious specials on TV from time to time, you know. No, but have you done the deal? Have you entrusted your life to Christ? Have you committed yourself to him? I want to give you an opportunity to make life's most important decision at our time together in just a few moments. But why should I commit You know, there's a lot of great benefits, purpose in life, a clean conscience, experiencing God's mercy and strength, just to mention a few. There's a lot of benefits to following Jesus. And we look at those things and we say, man, I love all that, but I'm not sure if I want to make that commitment. Life is about the commitments that we make. If you make a commitment to your education, you'll go to school. If you make a commitment to your career, you'll have a great job. If you make a commitment to your family, you'll have a good family. It's all about commitments. What about the spiritual realm? What about God? What commitments have we made to Him? Because our life is shaped by the commitments that we make or that we don't make. And if we commit to nothing, we become nothing. Acts 2.21 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord... Will be saved. You ought to underline that word, everyone. Because listen, the ground at the cross is level. Everyone can do it. Everyone can follow Christ. It doesn't matter if you're the Pharisee or if you're the thief on the cross, you can follow Christ. Everyone can call on the name of the Lord. That's some good news today, isn't it, church? Everyone, everyone, no matter where you've come from or what you've been into or Where you've been before, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Everyone can do it. And to call on the name of the Lord means to pray for His deliverance. The last time I checked, 100% of people will die. Is that true? It's getting deep in here, isn't it? Isn't it interesting that people spend so much of their time preparing for their retirement, preparing for their dream home, for vacations, for certain goals in life. And we spend like five minutes thinking about eternity. Eternity is a lot longer than the life that we live here on the earth. Wouldn't it behoove us to prepare ourselves for the things to come? Should we be preparing ourselves for the things of the Spirit and and the things of God and the things of eternity? Shouldn't that be the number one thing? Because because we're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than we are on this earth. And yet we make so many plans. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God doesn't grade on the curve. His grade is simply this, forgiven or unforgiven. I used to hate those little nerdy people in college that would break the curves. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's this one guy that has the big glasses that sits on the front row and everybody else makes like a C or a D on the test and he makes like a 95 and breaks the curve. Kind of stinks, doesn't it? Well, God doesn't grade on the curve. He really doesn't. He sees forgiven and unforgiven people. People that have come across the bridge, people who haven't come across the bridge I've been dealing with directly or indirectly with two suicide situations of young younger people a few months ago I got a phone call from a man that I never knew and he said I'm so-and-so's brother do you know who he is and I said, yes, I do. This is a guy who was in our small groups, came to our church for a while. Somebody I would talked to a few times. He said he put a gun to his head and took his life. And he said, unfortunately, the maintenance department found his body a month later in his apartment. It's awful. His family was heartbroken. And they found some notes from the church, some sermon notes in his closet. And they got the name of the church and called and asked if if I knew this guy. Sad. A young guy, successful guy. Had money. Had his whole life ahead of him. And took his own life. You know, we see this among celebrities today. Celebrities are taking their own lives. Kate Spade, the fashion designer. Anthony Bourdain, the actor. Uh, Chris Cornell, the lead singer of Soundgarden, took his life a couple of years ago. And then his good buddy, Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Linkin Park, was really upset about it. He decided to take his life the same way on the birthday of his buddy two months later. Why would people take their own lives? Because people don't have peace. And peace comes from God. Peace doesn't come from fame. Peace doesn't come from fortune. Peace doesn't come from so many things that we seek after with all of our hearts. Peace comes from God and we need the Lord in our life. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. The fourth part of that step is peace. We have to make our peace with God. Have you made your peace with God? Have you put your faith in his son, Jesus Christ? And I love in Romans 5, 1, how faith and peace are together. Because when you have faith in Christ, you'll have peace in your heart. It doesn't mean that all your problems immediately go away, but it means that you have a foundation. You have a connectivity. You have a relationship with the creator of the universe and his son, Jesus Christ. Have you made that peace with God? We look for peace a lot of different ways. But peace comes by the Spirit. In fact, did you know that one of the nicknames of Jesus, according to the prophet Isaiah, is the Prince of Peace? Yeah. Let me tell you something today. Jesus knows about peace. That's why He calmed the storm when He was on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples thought they were going to drown. Everywhere Jesus went, He was bringing peace. Wherever the presence of Jesus is... There's peace. Sometimes we think if we could get our circumstances right, I'll have peace. No, peace is the presence of Christ. That's what peace is. But he's the prince of peace. And this word prince of peace in the uh, prophet Isaiah, this term in the Hebrew language is a hyphenated term, sar shalom. It's two words. Prince of peace. It literally means that he's the captain or the governor or the prince or the virtuoso, or the maestro, or the ace, or the playmaker, or the man of peace, the prince of peace. Nobody knows more about peace than Jesus. Shalom. Sar shalom. It really means well-being, happiness, and that state of peace. It comes through Christ. Peace is not the absence of our problems, it's the presence of Jesus. And that's what we need. And the gospel... Never goes out of style. It never gets old. The message of the bridge is something that is impacting people in every country and continent in the world. For 2,000 years, people's hearts and lives have been changed by one old message, and that is the message of redemption, the message of salvation. God wants us to step. Across the bridge. We step across the bridge when we realize that we have sin. We realize that truth, that Christ is the truth. We step across the bridge when we entrust our souls and our hearts to God. And when we do that, we ultimately have peace with God and in our own hearts. Would you step across that bridge? It's the greatest choice that we'll ever make. Let's bow together for a word of prayer.